uh, I felt like was in this house this morning. So we praise God for that. A few announcements before we move on into the sermon tonight and our offering. Uh, March 15, which is next Sunday, will be Staff and Volunteer Appreciation Day, Casual Sunday. We've been uh, advertising that, going to have um, hot dogs and hamburgers and uh, some games uh, thereafter. And so looking forward to that. Uh, one announcement I failed to make this morning is that Sunday school will uh, be over at 1045. Worship will begin at 1050. That means that they're going to give you an earlier warning. Normally we get out at 1050. We're going to get out at 1045 so we can be in here at 1050 to start our worship that morning because we're going to have some extra stuff going on and um, mentioning names. And it's going to take us just a little while longer, so we want to give ample time for that. That 10 minutes is going to help us a lot on that. March 28th, Ladies and Girls Tea Party, 11 a.m. to 1 p.m., fundraiser for the junior talent. Uh, you can see Jerry Oliver for more information on that, $10 per person for a table. Operation Christmas Child, February and March, item donations are bar soap and washcloths to drop off. We're dropping them off at the administration uh, hallway entrance there. Phase 1 payoff campaign, some people grab cards today. Go ahead and grab you one. Be praying over what the Lord wants you to do. Uh, if you want to go ahead and start, there's no crime in that. All you got to do is hand it myself or, or Miss Sandra because we're going to be keeping account of uh, exactly how much is going to be given through this commitment card. And then we'll be able to give a projection as to when we can get this thing paid off. And that is going to be uh, announced on Easter Sunday morning, which I'm excited about this year. And I should go ahead and tell you, invite somebody to Easter service. Easter is one of the biggest services of the whole year. So... Take advantage of that. People are expecting you to invite them on Easter Sunday, all right? So tell them to come to Gap Hill, especially if they don't go to church anywhere else. Where else would be a better place for them to come than our church, all right? So let's invite them, try to get them in the house for Easter Sunday coming up. As our ushers come, Bobby Duncan, let's continue prayers for he, as he, him and, and um, Emily as he had a heart attack is what my understanding is. Um, it did not put him on life support or anything like that, but he did have a heart attack, and, um, but he is stable, so let's continue prayers for his healing. Delane Masters continued healing after his transplant, and Brother Art, it's so good to see him with us this morning. Can we give him a hand clap for coming to church today? This morning, I was looking around, looking at a lot of people, and I just did not see Art, but it's so good to see him after his knee surgery, and uh, he's doing, doing a lot better than he was, so we thank God for that. Also, for Hayward Byers. He starts his chemotherapy treatment tomorrow morning, so that's what uh, Diane, we did a special prayer cloth this morning for Hayward that God would be with him, so please be in prayer for them tomorrow. It's going to be a big day for their family. Thank you for your giving. May God bless this offering in the name of Jesus. Father, we thank you for each request that's been given in, Lord. We named them this morning, and we've named them again tonight. You've heard every name. You know every need. And so, Lord, I'm asking you to reach down and minister to these fine folks Let the healing virtue of God come down in their lives today. Let them know that you're with them. Father, continue to bless our church. Continue to bless the tithes, the offering, just like you promised you'd do. In Jesus' name, amen.
Praise the Lord. I was looking this evening for some excuses. New excuse. I was on my way to church and was almost there when I looked at my cell phone and it said no service. So I turned around and went home. I thought that was funny. Tonight I want to talk on this topic and I'm going to preach if I, I told Brian I'm going to teach tonight. He kind of gave me a, a look of disbelief and said, okay. So, I'm going to preach if I to us tonight. I just want to talk for a few minutes on no more excuses. Have you ever made one? <laughs> Honey, why didn't you take out the trash? Well... This came up, that came up, I was on the phone, you know, somebody called me, well, that phone call was 45 minutes ago, why are you still standing here, you haven't, you've made excuses, you made excuses to your wife, wives, you've made excuses to your husbands, the kids have made excuses to their parents, why didn't you clean your room and they can come up with some great excuses, they're sick, they don't feel good, whatever it is, we've made excuses to God, have we not, and said, God, you know, I would have done this, but this came up in my life, I would have prayed, but you know, I got busy. I would have read my Bible, but, but things happened and the day went by so fast, got away from me. We even make excuses to ourselves sometimes. We excuse ourselves, and there's a problem with that. I often try to find excuses for myself, but tonight we're going to deal with the fact that when it comes to sin, there is no excuse. Now, you can make an excuse. I can make an excuse for sin, allowing sin into my life. But at the end of the day, there's no reasonable excuse that I can make that will stand when it comes to sin. So that's what we're going to look at tonight. First, let's go to James chapter 1 and verse 12 is where we're going to start tonight. Now the word responsible comes from two words. It comes from response and it comes from able. It means, responsible means I am able to respond. The only difference between a reaction and a response, it is simply in one word by the name choice. We have a choice, we have a decision to make whether we are going to react to something in our life in a positive way or in a negative way. We also have the choice to either sin or not to sin. Christians, we've got to quit making excuses for overreacting and beginning taking responsibility for our choices, the decisions that we make. If you make a mistake, own up to it. There's no need in making an excuse for it. If you fail to do something, don't make an excuse. Just ask God to forgive you. If you sin, then please don't make an excuse for it. Just admit that you've done wrong. Pray and ask this loving God to forgive you. And I promise you, He will forgive you. Tonight we're going to do a verse-by-verse -verse analysis. So you can just follow along with me here. James said, blessed is the man who endures temptation. I'm going to stop it right there. He says, blessed people are tempted too. You see, we think that only it's bad people, but blessed people are tempted too. And blessed is the man who endures temptation. You may look at someone and perceive that everything is okay. You may look at someone and think everything is perfect, their life is all together. But at the end of the day, you have to understand that even blessed people are tempted too. Is there anybody in this house as a child of God that can relate with the word temptation? Has anybody been tempted to do something? Have you been tempted when you got behind that slow driver to just say something to them? They couldn't hear you. You knew they couldn't hear you. But you just wanted to give them a piece of your mind. We're tempted to do things that are wrong. 
And I want to show you tonight in 1 John 2.16 that we can categorize temptation, we can sum it up into three temptations. Are you ready? He says, for all that is in the world, you sum it up like this. It is the lust of your flesh, the lust of your eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but it is of the world. Do you see the three points here? The lust of your flesh, the lust of your eyes, and the pride of life. Now I'm going to deal with each one quickly. Galatians 5, 19, 21 through 21 shows us the lust of our flesh. Now the works of the flesh which are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, selfish ambitions, dissensions or division, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, reveries, and the like of which I tell you beforehand, just as I've told you in time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. It is the lust of our flesh. All of these things that Paul lists for us are things that are of the world. And he says these are the things that are going to tempt you in this world. But we must understand we are, not, we are in this world, but we are not of this world. We are only aliens. We are strangers. We are pilgrims only passing through. But as we pass through this life, there's going to be some lust of the flesh that's going to take hold on us. Somewhere down the line, you are going to be tempted with the lust of your flesh. You're going to be tempted to be greedy. You're going to be tempted to do things that are of the world. That's exactly what this world is. That's why God told his disciples, you have to understand, you're not of this world. You cannot be seduced by this world. You cannot allow... Listen, I'm telling you, folks, when you drive to the beach or anywhere down the interstate, whether you're going to the beach, whether you're going to Florida, to Disney World, I don't care where you're going, there are billboard signs all the time that are trying to seduce us and tempt us to give into our flesh, all right, through alcohol, through cigarettes, you name it, through party lifestyle, it is all up there, sexual immorality, it is all before us, it's everywhere, it's the lust of the flesh, and as we, as I taught this morning, as we see ourselves closer to the coming of the Lord, these things are going to be put in our face even more and more, then he goes on and says that about the lusts of the eyes. How many of you know that there's some bad stuff going on in the world? Do you realize that on your TV that they are trying to push on our children? They're trying to push to us commercials that are promoting homosexual agenda. Amen. Hallelujah. Socialism. All of these things are being pushed. They're not only being pushed on the... They're being pushed even in our school systems. We have to be careful that these things aren't pushed on our children that they know right from wrong. The lust of the eyes is yet another thing. Matthew 5, 27 says it this way. He says, you have heard that it was said of those of old, you shall not commit adultery. Now we understand what adultery is, right? That's when a man that's married goes and is with a woman that is not his wife or vice versa. But Jesus even takes it further than the law of Moses. That's why when we say, well, well, Jesus made it easier on us. Jesus said, I came to fulfill the law and the prophets. And in ways, Jesus even made some things even stricter than Moses' law. All right? He says, but I say to you that whoever looks at a woman to lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. The lust of the eyes. And this is not just for men. This is also for women as well. He says we have to watch out what we allow 
to come before our eyes. Look at what Psalm said in Psalm 101 and verse 3. He says, I will set nothing wicked before my eyes. I hate the work of those who fall away. It won't cling to me. I'm not going to be any part of that is what he's saying. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and then the pride of life. Pride simply means I'm more important than other people. I'm better than other people. How many of you know that the ground is level at the foot of the cross? Does everybody know that? That when you get ready to go to heaven, God's not going to say, hey, who's your mama? Who's your daddy? All he's going to say is, is the blood applied to your life? If the blood's applied, then you've got just as much right the entrance into heaven as the apostle Paul, as Jesus does, or anybody. You have just as much right because of what Jesus did on the cross. We can not allow pride into our life it's in Proverbs 16 18 he warns us he said pride is what goes before our destruction a holy spirit before a fall these are the temptations that God wants us to understand these are the temptations that this man in this life is having to endure James is showing us you are going to have a fight between the lust of your flesh the things that you want in this world and you should really be setting your affection on things above not on things on the earth the things of the earth turned to rust and moth and corruption is on these things but the incorruptible is in that place in the sky so he says you have to set your affections on the right thing don't allow your flesh to lust for too much of these worldly goods not only that the lust of the eyes and he says you're also going to be tempted to have pride back to verse 12 of our original text the bible says blessed is the man who endures temptation let's go to the next part for when he has been approved he will receive the crown of life which the Lord has promised to him and those who love him. Now hold it right there. And I want to show you something. The Bible says that the approval, the approval, this man that is blessed, that goes through temptation, when he has been approved, the word approved. Let me show you what this is saying. The approval is not coming from me. The approval of this man is not coming from his neighbor. But the approval of this person is coming from God. And it is to the one who successfully overcomes Satan. He says that this is coming to the one that endures these temptations. The one that resists the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. The approval is coming from God for that man that does that. Listen to me, folks. We have to have the power of Christ to be able to make it. We can't do it by ourselves. We Listen, in our flesh, we do not have the power to just make it. We have to have the Holy Spirit in our lives. That's why God, in Acts chapter 2, He said, I'm sending the Holy Spirit to you. How do I overcome temptation? It is only through the power of the Holy Spirit. I can't do it by myself. My flesh is weak. My spirit, though, it is strong. And when your spirit is strong, you too can overcome this thing called sin and temptation. Verse 13, let no one say when he is tempted, I have been tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. Now leave it right there. God is not the one tempting you. I'm going to say it again. If you are dealing with temptation, according to James, God is not the one that is tempting you. All right? 
God is permitting you to be tempted. He is allowing you to be tempted in order to help you stand. What a great paradox in the scriptures right here. Look at 1 Corinthians 10. You've heard this scripture many, many times. He says the temptations in your life, they're no different from what others experience. But God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more then you can stand. When you are tempted, He will show you a way out so that you can endure. Blessed is the man that endures temptation. How do I endure it? Because God comes and He gives me a way out. If God doesn't show up, I fail. But when God is in my life, God says, this is the exit, Jimmy. This is it. You don't have to fall prey to the temptation of your flesh. It's because of the power of God in our lives. So he says, when you're tempted, please don't blame your temptation on God. It is not God tempting you. Because God doesn't tempt any man. Let's go to verse 14 of James. But each one is tempted. Are you ready? When he, somebody say he. The excuse the devil made me do it will not work. If we get to judgment day and we've allowed sin to rule in our lives, God's going to ask us, why in the world did you do that? We're going to say, well, the devil made me do it. God's going to say, that's not a reasonable excuse. Because if I sin, I must take responsibility for my sin. I can blame my wife for my sin. I can blame church folks. Well, they made me mad. So I just, no, 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 no. If I sin, I've got to learn to take responsibility for the fact that I have fallen away from God and I need to repent. All right? So we learn to take responsibility for these things. So he says when he is drawn away by his own desires, his lust, his flesh, and he is enticed. The word enticed means arousing interest, arousing desire. Another word for enticement, it means curiosity. Now, can I tell somebody, what did curiosity do to the cat? It will kill me too. It will kill you too. Listen, I want to tell you something. We so often, listen, we tippy-toe around sin. We're attracted by sin because of our flesh. These arousing interests and desires in our life. If we're not careful, curiosity would pull us away from God It killed the cat. It will also kill us. Listen, let me show you what happens in this scripture. First, you are drawn away. Satan tempts us in order to draw us away from God. When I am tempted by the devil, let me tell you why I'm being tempted. Because he is trying to get me to get my eyes off of Jesus. So when you are tempted, it is only a distraction to get you away from being close to God. As we preach this morning, as you're trying to get your way to the top of the mountain, do you not think that there's going to be distractions along the way? Do you not think there's going to be temptations along the way to quit, to give in? There's other things you could do with your life. That's the lust of the flesh. Hey, you shouldn't be having to deal with this. You're too good for this. That's the pride of life. There's going to be temptations all along the way before I get to the top of the mountain. This is only Satan trying to entice me, to lure me, to get my interest aroused to get my curiosity going but it is at that moment that I am drawn away from God the bait is my own desires does, any, does anybody in here fish any, any fishermen you understand it's like the worm is to the fish the worm is the bait 
his desire, his distraction. It doesn't matter what he's doing. When that worm comes down, if he hasn't ate all day, he goes, that worm looked pretty good. To the deer, especially in the wintertime, isn't it horrible, these horrible hunters? Can I get an amen? I mean, they can't find food nowhere, and next thing you know, somebody plants a little corn patch for them, or either throws shelled corn out there and then shoots them when they're trying to eat because they're hungry. Some of you hunters say, my Lord, I've never thought about it this way. I'm going to cry the next time I shoot one. Some of you are like, I'm already so callous that don't bother me. And yes, if you brought me some of the eat, I would, meat, I would gladly eat it too. All right, I'm going to go ahead and tell you. The bait, the bait is the corn. See, our bait in our lives is our own desires. That means that the bait for me is going to be different for you. All right? Everybody has their own temptation. Everybody has their own weakness. For a man or a woman to stand here today and say, I don't have any weaknesses. I, you know, I, hey, I'm, I'm a holy person. I don't have anything that tempts me. And brother, I'm going to tell you something. According to the scripture, that's not true. According to what I read to you tonight, you, if you're not careful, you're going to fall prey to the pride of life. Thinking you're above temptation. There's something and the devil finds our vulnerabilities. We have to be careful because he will find our vulnerabilities and he will pick at that just like a scab until he opens that wound. We have to be careful. See, to one person it's lust. To another person it's pride. To another person it's greed. To another person it's materialism. They can never get enough. They just they want more of this world, more of this, more of that. They're never satisfied. To another it's power. Just give me a title to another it's prestige an image and list goes on and on that I could name of the different temptations and desires that may be the bait that Satan uses against us this bait is it's dangled in front of us just to entice us to pull us away the word entice means to be tricked to an illusion an illusion is something that really doesn't appear it appears one way but it turns out to be something else can I tell you that there's many people today that have fallen prey to their flesh and when they got finished eating the bait they said to themselves why in the world did I do that I thought it was going to be better but here I am an empty man see that is why God told us we have to be careful he says for the pleasure of sin it is only pleasurable how long just for a season there is a space there is that moment but then afterwards you understand that this is not going to satisfy you it is just an enticement of the enemy the Old Testament word that you would recall in the King James Version was the word beguiled a matter of fact that's what happened to Eve in the garden the serpent told her enough of the truth to make her believe the lie the word beguiled means to deceive somebody by your charm this is what the snake said hath God not said you'll become like gods that was true the lie was when he added surely you won't die. Look at verse 15 of James. Let's move on. Then when desire has conceived. That means when the seed is planted. It gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. Now, now, now I want to show, show you this really, really quick. I told you curiosity can kill you. It can kill you. If we're not careful, we will let this seed be planted in our life. That's all Satan wants to do. It's, a, it's, a, it's an innocent word. It's a seed. It's just a moment. It's a seed. 
There's little things that happen in our life and all it is is a seed of the devil trying to get it into our hearts to make it take root. Somebody says something that, that we you know, didn't really like. And we go home and the devil says, huh, that person don't like you, do they? Hmm, they don't, they don't. They've been talking about you. It's a seed. It's a seed. It is my responsibility to grab that seed, dig that baby up, sling it out with the bathwater, the baby in the bathwater, as they say, get rid of all of it, and say, no, 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 this is not going to take root in my heart. I'm not going to allow that, all right? Well, somebody said something about you. Guess what? I'm not going to say anything about them because if I do, it's a seed that has been planted by the enemy and seeds grow, ladies and gentlemen. Whenever you look at the story of David and Bathsheba, it's a prime example of verse 15 for us. The Bible says he saw her naked on the roof bathing. This is a seed that is a conception of a seed. It is born. He didn't turn his head away. He begins to water. He begins to nurture this seed, take care of this seed. As many of you know, there's a personal encounter. Sin takes place. And now this seed, this innocent seed that in the beginning, had he just turned away, walked away from sin, everything's fine. But because he waters it and he nurtures it and he cares for it and he keeps blessing it this is what happens it becomes full grown it is at that moment that he commits adultery with Bathsheba what is the end of the story Nathan the prophet comes to the house says David you're the man you've stolen this sheep out of this man's field etc etc you know the story David says kill the man he says thou art the man David so where's the death at right what happens to the baby? The baby dies. Because a seed was watered. It sprouted. But something had to die. When sin is finished with you. It will spiritually kill you. And ultimately sin will lead us to hell. And eternal damnation but here is where you have a choice this is where I have a choice listen I cannot help when I'm tempted you cannot help when you're tempted tonight before you go to bed Satan may tempt you in some way or another tomorrow next week on your job the temptation may come to you all right but now that you've been tempted now you allow yourself if you're not careful you allow yourself to be drawn away when you allow yourself to be drawn away, you have allowed yourself to be enticed. Like the bait dangling before you. But now you must choose. Do I act on this temptation or do I refuse to act on this temptation? When you act on the temptation, eventually the seed is going to be birthed. It's going to be born. You're going to conceive it. What did you actually conceive? You've given that demon that tempted you an inroad to your soul, to your mind, to your life, to your heart. So you cannot allow that to happen happen because if you conceive it listen to me if you conceive it you will do it again and again and again until sin is uprooted it will live in my life I often think about the story of the the dog and the you remember it the skinny dog the big dog and one of them represents the flesh one of them represents the spirit to which one is starving 
And the moral of the story is that the one that you feed the most is the one that grows. One is healthy, another is starving. The concept of the story is that if I feed my spirit, then my spirit will grow and blossom. If I feed my flesh, my flesh will just blossom. See, what I'm telling you is we must learn to say, you know what, God? I know I can't do it by myself, but I'm wanting to starve the flesh out of my life. I don't want to act on the flesh. I don't want to say things of the flesh. I don't want to do things of the flesh I want the spirit of God to be all that I think about I want God's will for my life to be all I think about I want helping other people blessing other people to be what I think about which one you feed the most is the one that is going to live but you have to make the choice as to whether or not the Bible talked about the root of envy and of greed he talks about the root of bitterness I believe it was even with the church and he tells us Paul says If we're not careful in the church, we Christians, he says we can allow a root of bitterness to spring up among the body. What does that seed do? Eventually that seed will destroy the whole body. That's what the Bible says. It says this root of bitterness will spring up and then before you know it, what was so little, it goes to all of the members. You ever seen that? I've seen that happen before. All it was was one word, but next thing you know, everybody has been consumed by it, a root of bitterness. We have to be careful. The seed, the roots, all have to be plucked out. We cannot, first off, we shouldn't even allow it to grow. But if it does grow, we have to pluck it up by the roots. That is what it means to give birth to sin. And then the more we excuse it, as I close with this, the more that we excuse our sins, the more it takes over. I can't excuse my sin. I can't excuse wrongdoing. The more that we allow it into our life, the more it begins to control us and the less control we have over it. See, we think sometimes we can manage sin, we can control it, but let me tell you something. There was an old saying I heard years ago, if you give the devil an inch, he'll take a mile. That is the way sin is. I remember the story of the... Of the, of the the man that had the snake, you may remember hearing it, talked about how he kept that snake from a baby, raised it in its bosom. It was a poisonous snake. He pet that snake. He took care of that snake. But one day that snake got older. And out of the blue, that snake decided one day that he would just bite him. He had taken care of him his whole life. Just pampered him, petted him, fed him, just gave him rat. I mean, he had taken care of the snake. He don't have to worry about nothing. But one day that snake bit him and the, and he died and the moral of the story is this that that's the way sin is we can cater to it we can rub on it we can take care of it but if we're not careful sin is going to bite us we have we cannot control sin listen we cannot control our flesh we have to have the power of Christ so along with what I talked about this morning as Sandra comes to the piano as I talked about this morning I'm wanting to get to the top of the mountain. How about you? I'm wanting to get to where the glory of God is. But along the way, there's going to be temptations that are going to try to stop us from getting to the place that God wants us to go. So when you allow sin by your own permission, did you notice that? Your own permission. If you rebuke the devil, he must flee. James said, submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil. That means say no. And he must flee. Sin cannot have power over a child of God. Somebody ought to say amen. 
It may try to do it. It may try to take root. But for the true child of God, you can resist that temptation by your own permission. Sin is allowed to continue in your life. But the moment that you say no, it has to go. Because if we don't, eventually it brings forth death. And I'm not talking about a physical death. Eventually it does. But I'm talking about a spiritual death. You cannot get in this level of anointing that I'm talking about and allow sin to live in your heart. It just don't go hand in hand. If I'm going to walk in the anointing, I've got to get rid of sin. If I'm going to walk in the anointing, I've got to resist temptation. I have to tell it to get out of the way. I belong to Jesus. Jesus is my Savior. I don't want to offend Him. I don't want to hurt Him. I love Him too much to go that way. Verse 16 as I close. This is the way James ended. He said, do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. Being deceived means that we have chosen to make excuses rather than choices. So tonight, let us not excuse sin from our lives, but rather let us make a conscience choice that sin must die in our lives. It must. In Romans chapter 6, the Apostle Paul You can read it when you get home, verses 1 through 23. It's very interesting. I don't have time to read it all tonight, but I'll tell you this. He basically says, the things that I normally wouldn't do, I find myself doing. He's talking about the struggle of the flesh and the spirit. Things I would normally not say, I'm finding myself saying. The things I normally wouldn't do, I find myself doing. It is not me. It's sin that lives in me, causing me to do these things. I mean, you read that scripture... And you're thinking to yourself midway through. I mean, if you've opened the Bible, it's the first time you've ever read it. You're thinking, my gosh, how's he going to get out of this? But then by the time you get to the end, praise God, the Apostle Paul says, you know what? But thanks be to God that gives me the victory through my Lord Jesus Christ. What Paul understood is what I need to understand and what you need to understand. By yourself and in your own power, you cannot control your flesh. You cannot maintain or control your desires. He finally understood. I can't do it. But through the work that Christ did for me, He has already given me the victory over sin. It cannot rule. It has no hold on me. I have been given victory through Jesus Christ. My Lord. How many of you want to live a victorious life? Praise the Lord. So when he comes knocking on your door, you let the devil know, no excuses today, buddy. I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. I'm not going to sin. I'm not going to give in to your temptations, to your deception. No, 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 no. And if you have sinned, if there are things in your life you've been struggling with, don't make an excuse for it. Get down on your knees and say, God, you know what? You see my struggle. It's real. But through you, I'm going to overcome. Through you, Satan is not going to win this battle. God wants his church to be empowered. And he's looking for a holy people. That's old school preaching. But I'll tell you, it's the truth. He said, be holy because I am holy. And when we reach this place to where we're trying to do our best and live right, We can keep climbing up that mountain until eventually we're going to get to the top and the presence of God is going to be so sweet we ain't even going to know how to handle it. Can we all stand in the house of God? Oh, Father, sing it, Brian. Sing it for us. Oh, welcome, Holy Spirit.
we are in your presence. Lord, fill us with your power. Fill us with your power. Oh, live inside of me. me. Welcome, Welcome, Holy Spirit. Spirit. He's the only way I can do it. I need Lord, the Spirit. We are in your presence. Fill us with your power. You're the living water. Sing it with Him. Live inside of me. Hallelujah. Oh, for you're, you're the, the living, living water. Never dry fountain, comforter and counselor. Lord, take complete control. See, I need him to do that. He has to. He has to take control. He's the living water, Jesus. Hallelujah. Father, I want to thank you right now in the name of Jesus for your word tonight. I want to thank you for how it is spoken to us, not only tonight, but this morning. You have spoken to us through your word. Help us from this moment on to give you complete control. Holy Spirit, we need you in our life. We need you to help us in this world of temptation. In this world where all around us, Satan is trying to allure us to the left and the right. He tries to distract us from our ultimate goal, and that is to make it to heaven, to do your will, to win souls for the kingdom of God. Help us not to be distracted by these things. Let us give you complete control of our life. We are unable to do it by ourselves, but thanks be to God that has given us the victory over sin through our Lord Jesus Christ. For that we praise you and give you glory. In Jesus' name, shake hands and be friends. God bless you tonight.